yum nub. He chucked the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Can you Hello, and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and I would kill you both right now if I did not have to drag your bodies. <laughs> and my name's Jamie, and as you can see, my Jedi powers are far beyond yours. Yay, do hey. quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. Or something. Um, yeah, so mine is the... Mine is the from the Clone Wars episode where Dooku is handcuffed um, to Anakin and Obi-Wan after they get captured by Hondo. And he says that he would kill them both if he didn't have to drag their bodies. It's a wonderful, wonderful line, and I love that episode so much. Mm-hmm. Is, is that one of the first ones with Hondo? Yeah, that's when it's it's we're going to get to it soon, um, soon-ish, when we get back to Clone Wars. Um, but yeah, it's the... It's the one where he kidnaps Dooku and tries to sell him to Obi-Wan. And when Obi-Wan and Anakin show up, they kidnap Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, it's very good. It, and I think it might be the introduction of Hondo, but I don't want to say that for sure. Yeah. Hondo went from a character that I could not stand to, like, he's all right. Yeah, I hope we get to talk about that a lot because we should do a lot more character study on this show. Um, but we have so many episodes to get through. Hondo is a wonderful character and I'm, I'm really curious to get back to his origins because I really like him. And then and I like him now and it will be interesting to see what his original concept was, but I love the idea of like a weak way pirate. Um, I've always loved the idea of the third, the third rail in star Wars, which is like, there's good, there's this battle of good and evil happening and it's manifesting in these like battles and wars and everything. And these duels, one-on-one duels with like Vader and Luke and Sidious and Yoda and all that stuff. And there's this whole political machine. And then there's just criminals. And we spend (laughs) so much time with the criminals and I love it. I want to spend more time with the criminals and this whole like bounty hunting comic book thing that's happening right now. I read a couple of those comic books. I read one of the trade paperbacks this weekend or this past week. And I just love that they're digging deeper. And I know you make fun of me for the huts and stuff, but the huts are part of this where it's like, they're not, they're not really good or evil. in like the Jedi Sith sort of way, they're just bad people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I like the idea that star Wars can lean into the bad people-ness of, of the universe as well. So anyway, we got off topic very fast. Um, before we get too deep into it, I should mention what we're doing today. We're, we're, the last episode we recorded was the Tales of the Jedi, where we talked about the Ahsoka episodes. So today we're going to go over the other three episodes, which which are the three episodes that focus on what I'll call Young Dooku, which Young Dooku is still in his 60s. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as we can tell, I couldn't, I actually did a lot of research on when two of the episodes were taking place, and nobody can agree. But the agreement is that it is 68 BBY to 42 BBY. We've got like a nice like six, like 14-year period that they could be happening in. But we'll, we'll get to that, I think, in our discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought they were all sequential. With, well, they definitely you know, are. Um, you mean all six of them were sequential? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'll be uh, discussing it today. You did the um, you did the Ahsoka one. Um, 
but uh, maybe before um, before we uh, start off, as uh, you've been doing anything Star Wars uh, he lately, he sent me those pictures of the uh, Jabba's Palace playset. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a ton of Star Wars lately. Um, so at the time of this recording, um, it's a couple weeks before Christmas um, in 2022. Um, so I've been doing every year. I get my kids Star Wars toys for Christmas, and I've done it since my older boy was two. I always just get something Star Warsy that's appropriate, and I put it under the, under the tree for them, um, like set it up for them. This year I got. The gun gun um, ammo wagon from episode one, and I got them a reek from episode two, which is the big triceratops looking thing that Anakin fights and rides eventually in the. That's do you know way to talk about Padme. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that too. Anyway, um, that's her Star Wars gift, and so I've been been um these are obviously old toys i got on ebay and so this is how we fill out our star wars toy collection but i also ordered um a couple old star wars insiders from early 2000s or about 15 20 years old because they have interviews with um nelvana executives about ewoks um and droids the production of those and so i'm going to start building my library out um with information about Star Wars animation. So I still have that fantasy that one day I, I will write a book about the history of Lucasfilm animation. Um, but I'll get there. <laughs> and, and nobody will talk to you because we shit on Nelvana. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm living in my truth, though. <laughs> Other than that, I've watched... I've been watching, re-watching Book of Boba Fett, but I haven't been very consistent with that. We didn't record last week because I had the flu. Um, so we, we haven't recorded in two weeks. And so over the past two weeks, I've watched two or three episodes of the book of Boba Fett. Um, and I'm sorry, haters that that show stands up. Um, I love all of the Tuscan stuff and that and rewatching it. It's even better. So, yeah, people just need a reason to complain that I, I'm sure that they'll complain about like once some new thing comes out where there's more Jedi lightsaber than starfighter battles, they'll shit on Andor somehow. Yeah. And then the other thing that we're doing is we're doing a family rewatch of Andor with the boys. And so my wife wants to do it. And so we watched four the first four episodes of Andor the other day, or that was last weekend while I was sick, but I just wrapped myself in a blanket and sat on the couch. Get your flu shots, everybody go get your flu shots. They're free. Yeah. Did you get um, your flu shot? I did not because, and yes, I'm a cautionary tale and shocking everybody that knows me. I did not get my flu shot this year. It's the first year I haven't gotten it in, I don't know, 10 years. I got my COVID booster and, um, or the bivalent COVID. And I specifically went to a place because they would give you both at the same time. And I got there and the woman's like, we only do that on Tuesdays. It's like, what do you mean you only do it on Tuesdays? Like the only, they only have the flu shot on Tuesdays or some dumb fucking reason. Cause flu stays. <sighs> they, That's I, it. I hope, <laughs> I, give me the shot. No. I said, do you have any fucking idea who I am? Give me the shot. <laughs> no. And so I, I was like, fine, I'll come back on Tuesdays. And then, and then I never did because life, 
Um, yeah. And then I got the flu, so I earned it. The kids yeah. had their flu shots because they went to the doctor for their annual or whatever, and the doctor and their annual is right at the end of the year. It's in sometime in November, and the doctor's like, "Do you want flu shots?" I'm like, "Yeah, give him flu shots." But I didn't ask. I didn't ask the pediatrician if he'd also give me a flu shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably have to give you like two or three to get the do- correct That's dose. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> I wanted my ass. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you heard me. <laughs> Sir, pull your pants up. There are children present. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> okay, then I'll just take a Frosty. No, it completely wiped me out. So get your flu shots, everybody. Um, so I've had, I took a couple of days off of work and watched Andor and I read some comics. But yeah, I've actually, I feel like I've done a lot of Star Wars in the past couple of weeks. Have you done anything? Uh, no, I have not. Um, I re- yeah, I rewatched some of Andor. Um, that's man, that's really it. Um, kind of like slacking on my in my duties, uh, and other than just rewatching uh, Tales of the Jedi, just um, haven't really been doing a whole lot uh, Star Wars related. Just, like you said, just been busy with work and scouts and other shit. But I'm. But you'll be getting to play Vader's Castle, or sorry, uh, not Vader's Castle. Vader Immortal. Vader Immortal soon. Right. So, yeah, since you can't say it because your kids are still awake, I can say it. We're both getting VR headsets for Christmas, getting our families VR headsets for Christmas, and we're going to get Vader Immortal. Mine is sitting in a box um, currently, and I've not opened it, but oh, I've been tempted. <laughs> I thought about it tonight, honestly, but I was like, nah, I gotta finish the notes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna open it up and set up an account and start downloading, like, Tales from Galaxy's Edge. And then, like, and then, like wake up to, like, 20 text messages from you. Are we doing this or not? <laughs> and I'm sure your wife finds you with your pants off and you're just, like, <laughs> like laying back and you just drool. Yeah, but how would that be? Oh, this time I'd have a VR headset on? Got it. <laughs> I'm really surprised at the restraint I've been able to show. And not uh, n- not sneak it. Well, it's only a couple weeks left. It's two weeks till Christmas, so mm-hmm. everything will be fine. Any any Star Wars related stuff other than the VR headset for Christmas? Or you, um, you have to go no, Elf on, Elf saw, on the shelf. Saw that. Um, saw the um, saw the uh, Fallen Order trailer that dropped yesterday. Um, oh, okay, you to... texted it to me, but I didn't respond. I love it. Uh, I, I saw it because I was camping over the weekend, so I saw it before I went to bed, and, was, and I was just like, "Oh, this is too loud! I got to turn it down because there's people trying to sleep." But that looks awesome. Um, I'm sure people have already done breakdowns of it, but it's just like I have no idea what's going on. There's like a Jedi who looks like he's from the High Republic. That's that's people's speculation. I have not. I've intentionally not read any spoilers, but I've allowed myself to read some speculation analysis of the trailer. And people are saying that the guy from the tank, like, like there might be a Jedi from the High Republic, that the person in the tank might be connected to that. Um, I don't... It comes out in March, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, like, yeah. a release date, and people are pre-ordering it right now, and there's, like, skins and stuff you can get from the pre-order. So I'm definitely going to get it. The boy... Absolutely love the first one. He asked about it when I was asking about what he wants for Christmas. He says, when's Jedi Fallen Order 2 come out? And I was like, oh, we can't get that for Christmas. But we'll get it when it comes out. 
So it's definitely going to be something in our household. But what do you think? Yeah. About, what do you think about the the look of Cal? Um, it's got a very uh, Han Solo kind of look. Yeah. To him, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, it looks pretty cool. You can do like some dual play or something. Play with another person. Cal looks older. He's got like a looks like he's in his uh, 30s. He's got a bit of a d bag beard. I'm really excited because um, I've just that was a, the first one was such a great game. And like, well, what do we do? What happens? Because it's the, it's the same thing with um, Ezra. It's like this person can't be around. So what happens to them? It's it's um, we're, we're we're we might be screwed. What do you mean? Though it's it's only available for like the like the Xbox Series X slash S. So basically, have to buy a whole new system to play this game, which I'm not opposed to, but it's like I don't really want to. I gotta research that then because we have an Xbox One. Yeah, no, this is like the next. This is the one above the the uh, the Xbox One. We should talk. We should talk offline because I I'd be really reluctant to buy another system unless there's a lot of forward compatibility. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think there is. Um. I could always I'd have to research it because I don't want Microsoft to fuck me on this. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Microsoft. They've never. <laughs> <laughs> They've never done anything to fuck anybody over before, so I. My first computer ran DOS 3.2, so I've been fucked by Microsoft more than my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I have an open relationship with Microsoft, <laughs> where they they let me fuck my wife <laughs> when they're not fucking. You. <laughs> Just this once. <laughs> Don't think this means anything. <laughs> Just, the idea of being in an abusive sexual relationship with Microsoft, the company. <laughs> the software company. <laughs> it's driven you to Best Buy multiple times to because you had to abort your computer. <laughs> And get a new one. I wasn't expecting that to be the laugh of the show. <laughs> All right, do you want to move on? Some actors up front, if I can do them, or some sorry writers. Um, well, well, if you can do them, only if Microsoft says it's okay. All right, so today we're going to talk about the three episodes that uh, in Tales of the Jedi that covered Dooku's arc. Jamie's going to give the summary in a second. But sometimes I like to give some some audio time to actors or writers that are on the show. And so there are three today. Um, so first we're going to talk about Josh Keaton. He's a voice actor. He plays the senator's son in the first episode called Justice. We'll get to that in a second. He's a relatively famous voice actor. He got his start or his breakthrough in the 1997 Disney film Hercules, where he played young Hercules. But he was also in Kangaroo Jack, G'day USA, um, and he's been on a lot of voiceover work in video games like Metal Gear Solid 3, Spider-Man. Um, he played Electro and Harry Osborn in Spider-Man video games and cartoons, and he was most recently, or not most recently, but recently in um, the Marvel What If series playing Steve Rogers, the voiceover for Steve Rogers. I thought that was sort of cool. Oh, no kidding. That's cool. Yeah, I looked him up on the um, on 
on, I was going to say the IMDb. It's like, how old am I? But and like the first thing that comes up is him from Baywatch, and he's in a Speedo. It's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, all these people, a lot of these people have bit parts or like walk-ons, um, which is a good segue to Flo D. Ree, who is uh, the woman who plays Jocasta New in the later episode, in the third episode today, um, called The Sith Lord. And she is definitely a bit actor. She has a ton of credits going back to the late 70s, but she's never been a reoccurring character on a show as far as I can tell. But she was best known for her voiceover work in, as the elder in the video game Fallout 2, which came out in the late 90s. Um, but her previous work, she was in Golden Girls, Knott's Landing, Seinfeld, Mighty Joe Young, Last Airbender. But all as like background characters, like the receptionist or the meter maid or the nurse. You know what I mean? Like she just never mm-hmm. had a good part. And she she maybe appeared in two or three episodes of each of these, but never caught on anything. Her IMDb page now shows that she does a lot of voiceover work for Disney, and she's done four Clone Wars episodes and was a voice in the Lego Star Wars saga, Astra Costanu. This is her character in Star Wars. We're going to see her again when we return to Clone Wars after this. The last person I'll mention today is is one of the writers and producers of... He's a famous writer and producer. His name's Charles Murray II. He was a producer on Sons of Anarchy and Criminal Minds and Luke Cage, The Inhumans. But he was also a writer. He wrote on Roots, Clone Wars, Rebels. He was the lead writer on the Clone Wars arc, The Jedi Who Knew Too Much which I know is one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, and he wrote, he was the lead writer on all of those episodes. So he he does a ton of crime procedurals. And for those, we haven't gotten to it yet, obviously, but the, the Jedi who knew too much is the bombing plot for the Jedi Temple. That gets pegged on, gets Osaka kicked out of the Jedi Order, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you love that arc, so I wanted to showcase him for a second. Um, his writing, his writing and producing credits are crazy. You also watched Sons of Anarchy, right? Uh, yeah, I did. So he did like 16 episodes of that show too. Um, so I think he's one of he's one of the more frequent producers on that show. Um, so look him up. His actually, him and his brother wrote um, the middle episode of this one, um, which is called I can't remember. It's called Decision Choices. So they wrote this second episode together, Choices. Um, That's it for me today. If you want to go into the plot summary, go ahead. Um, All right. So we'll start with the first episode. Um, It's actually the second episode of uh, the series, but um, it's the first of the Dooku ones. It's called uh, Justice. So uh, Dooku and Qui-Gon are headed to a planet together. They both uh, look significantly younger. Um, Qui-Gon looks really kind of like like homeless compared to Dooku, which I found strange. That's a good call. He is wearing sort of like tattered Jedi, like tan clothes, I guess, like like the Jedi yeah. tunic or whatever. Yeah, like he got like hand-me-downs and he got like the, I don't know if, if anybody was ever in sports, there was like like the the uniforms that they, that have been like around like forever since, um, and like sometimes some of them are just like super shitty. It just seems like he got issued like super sh- shitty Jedi robes that have been around like, and used by Padawans and Jedi for pretty much since like the High Republic. Okay, so Dooku says that they should sit outside the village since 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 tensions are pretty high. 
Uh, now this is a desolate looking planet, uh, barren trees and gray soil. There are broken droids shambling around, a burnt landscape with broken equipment, and everything looks kind of abandoned. Tuku and Qui-Gon walk into a village where they're greeted by an angry dog that's, right, it looks pretty much like a regular dog. First time I've actually seen something. The front half does, the back half looks almost reptilian. You see the back half later. Mm, okay. Like a pointed, sharp tail or something to it, but it does look sort of like a hound. Okay, I must have missed that part. The town's residences ignore and shun them. Uh, they continue down the main street until they reach a tavern. This whole situation is very much like, um, it's kind of like the Ahsoka episode in The Mandalorian, where it's just very like rundown town, very old west sort of thing where like there's in town, everybody just kind of like shuts their doors, closes the window, grabs their kids and runs and hides. It's a very kind of cool uh, cool look, and it looks like kind of like a, almost like a haunted village or something, just by the atmosphere. Haunted is a good description. There's like silhouettes. You can see people from Dooku and Qui Gon's point of view. You can see people looking at them through the windows, but you can't see any features of them. And then like the people are shutting off their lights as they're coming, so it does feel very haunted. Mm-hmm. So let's see. So so they go in the tavern. Inside, people are drinking and ignore them. Tuku asks where the senator's son is being kept. A woman asks why they should tell him, and Dooku kind of, and this is a really cool move. He's just like, he puts his lightsaber hilt on the table. It's just like, this is what's up. I'm a Jedi. This is a lightsaber. We're not, we're not dicking around. So Dooku claims they arrived uh, to resolve the situation. The villagers assumed that the Jedi are on the orders of the senator. Um, the villager says that his leadership has destroyed their world. I love that. I love that they introduced that the Jedi have an automatic credibility problem with them, because mm-hmm. it is a butt badass move. It's like like he pulls out the saber and he just the hilt and just plops it on the table. Yeah, and he's. I don't know what he was expecting, but they seem bored. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's how like you normally meet people, but it's not a lightsaber you slap on the table. <laughs> yes, it's I've got uh, a lot it's... of time in jail. It's <laughs> your. <laughs> It's your custom Bosque uh, action figure, and they're like, ooh. But, uh, this is a 12-inch Bosque action figure. <laughs> in rare purple color. Qui-Gon asks uh, if they aren't happy, why don't they just vote him out of office? The old woman says he might have been a good man once, but no longer. She offers him to take them to the boy. Qui-Gon is surprised um, that... That she is one of the kidnappers, but everyone in the bar stands indicating that they all are. So it's kind of like a big like a plot. Yeah, I'm really happy that the these are super short episodes. So each of these we didn't we talked I think we talked about the setup last time, but each of these are maybe ten to twelve ish minutes long, so they're about half an episode long. I'm really glad that she didn't like launch into like a gerrymandering argument when Qui-Gon, when naive 20-year-old Qui-Gon's like, why don't you just vote him out of office? She's like, the districts are drawn by the people in power. <laughs> right? Like, like senators are there for life. It's a very interesting take, though, especially with modern, with our modern politics, how we can automatically identify like the senators that shouldn't be in power anymore, but... Keep going. So Qui-Gon and Dooku are led to a barn where a huge droid answers the door. Uh, inside the barn, a young man is tied to a chair guarded by several people with blasters. The boy is more kind of like a teen, I'd say like 
15, 16? Yeah, at least. Um, the boy says he's been treated well. Qui-Gon says that they'll rescue him. The boy points out the conditions that these people are living in. And he's been ignorant to their suffering, and he blames his father. Which, this is kind of... I uh, wasn't expecting, because usually, like, when they play, have, like, rich person's kid, they're just like, do you know who I am? Do you know my my father is? But they're playing that he's like, like... The son is noble, where the father is not. Ooh la la, someone's gonna get laid in college. <laughs> uh, then a guard comes in and says that the senator is there with uh, soldiers. The old woman says that the Jedi lied, but Dooku says that the senator doesn't even know that they are there. They go out to meet the senator. There's a village woman who's been given up the location of the boy. The senator, uh, his name's uh, Dagonet, um, it's hard not to say Dragnet. The Senator Dagonet demands the release of his son. Dooku says they're still investigating. And then the Senator demands the re- release. Dooku says there's no immediate danger to the boy. And the Senator orders the guards to ready the weapons. He orders the Jedis to step aside, which I found very I found very interesting. Uh, Je- Dooku refuses. The Senator says that the Jedi serve the Senate. The- Dooku says the Jedi serve the Republic. I love this stand. I love this standoff so much. This is the first one of these that we're, where we see Dooku. We've already had an Ahsoka episode, but we're, we're not worried about that one. This is one where we see Dooku for the first time. Dooku is, from my point of view, comically quick to violence, mm-hmm. and he pulls his weapon against this senator. And maybe to him it's not a big deal, but I get the impression that senators are pretty fucking powerful in their society. But he basically pulls his weapon on the senator and threatens him immediately. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the senator's threatening him as well, but it just feels like such a like he's Dooku's jumped to the conclusion. We're gonna get we're definitely gonna get in the paint with Dooku's overreaction in a second, but his quickness to violence in a second. But I just wanna say like this whole thing is tone perfect for the way that they write Dooku for this series. Yeah, I, I agree. And also the uh, the the kind of the tone the senator uses when talking to him is like talking to a servant. Yeah, it's pretty gross. That's a good call. So Dooku, like, like you said, he, he lights his lightsaber and orders the senator to stand down. The senator refuses and orders his troops to open fire on the Jedi and the villagers. Now the villagers are taking heavy losses and Barely returning fire, Dooku and Qui-Gon are deflecting the blasters the best they can. The senator orders a halt to the shooting. The old woman is hit to the ground, and several villagers are dead. The senator says he will destroy the town to make an example of them, and no one will defy him. So uh, then Dooku is just like, and it's like, okay, sure. And then he starts to choke the senator with the force. Qui-Gon moves to stop him, but Dooku throws him with the force. This is very much like a daddy, daddy, no, don't hurt him. And he's just like, the dad's in an alcoholic rage and just like back, pushes the kid away so we can keep keep wailing on the guy that he's beating up at the bar. Yeah, he's already dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's this whole thing. This whole thing is like when when the senator says no one will defy him. And he's going to make an example out of this village by burning to the ground. It's I love moments in writing where people reveal how powerful they are to their enemy, and it's obvious that like something snaps inside Dooku, and Dooku's like, "Okay, I guess you all have to die now, right?" And he just goes full Phoenix on them, mm-hmm. like he's invincible compared to them. They're shooting at him. He's flinging away the other Jedi. He's the de- while deflecting the bolts, while choking the guy out. It's just crazy. 
and it's like you're you were so outmatched in this moment you can't even fathom how how bad you have it yeah it's like a little dog like barking at like a at like a bigger dog and trying to start something and the bigger dog's just like okay chomp Okay, so Dooku throws him with the force. Dooku walks forward, deflecting the blaster bolts, choking the senator. Dooku eliminates the remaining guards and says the senator's corrupt and needs to be eradicated. Qui-Gon ran to the barn and, and has freed the senator's son. Qui-Gon tells him to rush out to save his father. Right when Dooku raises his lightsaber, the boy yells for Dooku to stop. Qui-Gon tells the Dooku that the battle is over. Dooku releases him and then they leave. The boy expresses his discontent with his father and how the people are living. The next morning, the boy tells the villagers he will not let their suffering continue. The senator looks crestfallen. Dooku and Qui-Gon say their goodbyes to the villagers. And the villagers repair the damage to the village. Things kind of like looking up. Dooku wonders aloud if anything will actually change. Qui-Gon asks Dooku, or Qui-Gon asks why Dooku took action into his own hands. Dooku says that Qui-Gon saved many lives, so Dooku realized he was he he messed up, and that Qui-Gon bailed him out uh, from making a serious mistake. Yeah, that line that line is pretty telling. The other line that in, in this short that's really telling is when Qui-Gon lets the boy go and says, "Go out there and rescue your father." Um, it feels like Qui-Gon knows that his master's out of control and that it might not be the first time <laughs> that he's seen him in this state. I'm serious, yeah. though. Like, I'm mm-hmm. serious. Like, when he says, like, you need to go out there and save your father, and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, just get out there. Yeah, it's like uh, like, an, uh, like a spouse or a, some sort of like family member who knows, you know, when somebody's in a in a, in one of their moods that they need to... Yeah, go run and hide from your father. Yeah. Right? That sort of thing. It's like, it's a very fucked up line. And I really think it's, I really think even at this point, this is the earliest, well, Dooku Jedi Lost has a lot of flashbacks of Dooku as a child, meaning like a teenager, right? And nothing in that book contradicts anything in here. There's a lot. It just feels like this is a pattern at this point. And on screen, this is the earliest we've seen Dooku in his life. And it's probably 20 years-ish before um, Phantom Menace. And Dooku is already like this semi-out-of-control person Mm -hmm. with superpowers. So, I don't know. I love this. We can get to the whole thing at the end, but I really like this establishing episode. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. And the, these um, first we, we'll talk about it after the next one, but these first two episodes are really about pushing Dooku to the limit, right? About like how he doesn't he doesn't see eye to eye with the Jedi, he doesn't see eye to eye with the Republic. He sees issues and how it's like chipping away at his confidence in what he's doing. Yeah, because like like Jedi Lost also had like he he was already kind of like like having some for, um, misgivings about what. Um, what the Jedi were about. Um, exactly. Like, like when that, um, when he finds out like there's like the, like the one Jedi master, I think, was she in the council? Like that, like her son, her like secret son was a Padawan. Her I don't, Padawan. I don't think she was, a, I don't think she was on the council, but she was a seeker and that she had, maybe she was on the council at some point and then left the council to go, go be a seeker so she could be away for the gestation of her pregnancy. And then go like scoop up her kid later and like bring him back to the temple. 
but yeah, you're right. Like, like he he's witnessed a lot of weird Jedi corruption shit mm-hmm. at a young age. Like, Kevin Scott just nailed that book or nailed that play. Fucking amazing. I love that book. If you haven't read, dear listener, if you haven't read yeah. Jedi Lost, I put it in the top ten non like top ten printed materials to read for sure. Maybe top five. Yeah, and it, or it, yeah, because it, it spoiler. Not really spoiler, but it it hints that he was kind of already, like kind of like drawn to the dark side. We talked about that book about being it being Harry Potter and Star Wars because it felt at the time it felt very Harry Pottery to me because they had like like these crushes right and and all like all these like like these different like Hufflepuffs and things that they were like bidding into. But it is so good for what a post-High Republic pre-fall of the Jedi Jedi um, training is like. I love that book. I know these watching these today and yesterday just made me want to reread that book. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think I might uh, put it back in the rotation to listen to. Anything else about the first one? Uh, no, no. So this is kind of like the, this is the first one where Dooku is kind of like you see him kind of getting a bad taste in his mouth. I mean, maybe he already has a bad taste in his mouth, but something about this, the Senate seems off to him. And seeing people, he's not evil. He's empathetic to the, the suffering, and he doesn't like it. Um, he's chaotic good right now. Mm-hmm. Right, He wants to help people, and he thinks by killing the senator he can help people. And so he tries, and he's stopped. So we'll go to the next one. This one's called uh, Choices. So Dooku's ship drops out of a hyperspace above a planet. Now he's with Mace Windu. Um, they're discussing uh, Master Katri's death. Dooku doesn't believe the report that he's reading about the death of the Jedi Master. They are there to retrieve the body um, of uh, Master Katri, but uh, Dooku doesn't understand how the Jedi uh, died, but the senator that she was with lived. Windu and Dooku argue some, and Dooku says Mace's adherence to the rules is both inspiring and mad. We learn in this conversation that neither of them are on the council, and that it's sort of implied that they're a little younger in their careers, but we it's safe to assume that, like you said earlier, that these episodes are in order, and this one happens after the previous episode. Mm-hmm. So the ship... Uh... Uh, lands on a huge city on a platform. The two Jedi are greeted by a group of soldiers that welcomed um, them to the planet. Um, the planet is called Raxus Secundus. So I wanted to stop and talk about this name for a couple of minutes. One, it made me think of... Um, I can't... I screw up the name of the the planet from Dune. Um, I, I want to call it Salacious Secundus, but I know it's not that. It's... Seleucus Secundus. Yeah, so I think I think your your second one is very close. This is obviously a reference to Dune. <laughs> this is so obviously a reference to so, Dune. Yes, yeah, uh, Seleucus Secundus. Um, yeah, which is like um, it's a prison planet, but it's actually the secret training ground for the, the starter car, who are the um, the Imperial, uh, pretty much shock troopers. They're supposed to be like the best in the galaxy universe, whatever. Second only to the Fremen, I guess. But, um, but also the uh, Secundus is, uh, means second, so that would mean that they have to be a Raxus Prime. Now, Raxus Prime is a planet that shows up in the Force Unleashed game. It's not really canon, but it um, Raxus is is um, ta- or Raxus Prime is talked about, uh, I guess, in the 
in the episode Heroes on Both Sides of the Clone Wars. Right. It's it is the planet where Padme goes with um with what's his face's mother to broker the peace to do sort of a back channel diplomacy. Um, what's his name? Lex Bonteri, right? Well, like, uh, like yeah. he, mm-hmm. So Mina Bonteri was. So that was the planet they go to is the primary planet of that system. Um, this is a different planet, but presumably in the same star system. I can look it up, see if it's actually, but, but yeah, heroes on both sides is the, is the system is the, is the, is the, is the, is the mm-hmm. other, is the Clone Wars reference to this Raxus system. But the, but yeah. obviously the Secundus is a, a Dune reference. It is two on the on the nose. Yeah. All right. So the Jedi uh, asked to see Senator Larrick, and then after some formalities, the leader of the troops, Hennel, takes the Jedi to see Larrick. Larrick explains that he returned home to address some of the civil unrest with a group of rebels. Windu asked to see the body, and Dooku interrupts and asked to see where the ambush actually t- took place. The senator doesn't want to go, but the guard Simage says he can take them there. As they leave, Dooku and Windu argue about... Uh, well, they argue uh, a lot through this episode about not stepping outside of their mission parameters. They're supposed to retrieve Kachi's body and be gone, and that's all. Uh, Windu says that they cannot uh, violate the protocol. Uh, they continue with the senator and the guards to the site of the ambush. Now, once again, showing Windu is very kind of straight-laced. He doesn't... It's comical to see Windu in this state um, when he's pre-master. But yeah, he's very he's very by the book here. He's like, he would have mm-hmm. been happy to pick up the body and leave. Also, we didn't talk about Khatri. Um, did you do any back reading on Khatri? No, I didn't. Uh, she's a Mary Allen. Correct. She is a Luminara. She's basically a Luminara species... Um, style Jedi, like a Barris Luminara. Um, there's very there. She only appears in this episode. There's nothing else written about her. But I, I really like the design and the consistency of her design with um, Lumin with Luminara and Mary Allen culture. She has like the headdress sort of thing on um, in her photo, mm-hmm. her profile photo. I really like that. Um, nothing else about her though. So they uh, they land into clearing of trees, and Dooku examines the grounds and the surroundings. He sees a lightsaber scar on a tree and blaster bolts in the rocks. Dooku asks how many attackers there were, and the senator doesn't know. He just says that there are too many. The senator says that the attackers fired on her immediately. Um, Dooku asks if they were fired upon, then why wasn't the ship hit at all? Uh, there's... Obviously, no damage to the ship. He's pretty suspicious at this point. Uh, Dooku says a Jedi doesn't fall for a surprise unless they are betrayed. Dooku draws his lightsaber and demands the truth. So this is pretty awesome. Once again, he's just like, all, he's all business and he's got no problem just whipping out a weapon right away. The senator looks worried and the senator yells, the guards kill her and the guards open fire on Dooku and Mace. I think he tries he tries to like run towards them or at least run away and they shoot him in the back. Yeah, he runs towards the Jedi and they, they cut him down immediately. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sad. Pathetic. Yeah. So they're quickly surrounded by droids. They use the force to destroy the droids and disarm the guards. They demand to know what really happened. Hanel grabs the gun off the ground and Windu kills him. Semmage is upset by the death of the younger guard, and he goes on to explain that the senator is corrupt and not helping the people. Sorry, I looked it up, and I 
Simmage is very upset by the death of Rennell, beyond like a colleague dying. But there's no, they're old enough to be like father and son, but it doesn't seem to imply that in Wikipedia um, or suggest that in Wikipedia. But it just feels like they're close. Yeah, it could be just like a mentor. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's at minimum he's like this guy's like guy, you know? mm-hmm. like mentor is a good good description. He's saying the senator wants to bleed Raxus dry, and the rebels meant to assassinate the senator, but when that failed, they're going to first force him to reverse his policies in the Senate. Mace asks why they didn't go through the proper channels, and Samuel says that the Jedi just protect the rich and powerful. Hmm, shockingly familiar. And they, just to maintain the status quo, they are lapdogs of the Senate. Mace objects to this characterization. Dooku says nothing, but just the, the way the way he's drawn, the way he says nothing, that you can, you as a, even the, even the dopiest of you, uh, viewers could be like, yeah, he doesn't think that's true. Yeah, he doesn't agree. He doesn't outright agree or disagree immediately, but it they show him contemplating, right? And he's like, and he's thinking like, do the Jedi actually prop up like a corrupt system here, right? Because yes, they they are quote unquote protectors of the Republic, but they get their marching orders from the Senate. Mm-hmm. So who are they protecting? This this can devolve quickly into all Jedi are bastards argument. Right or <laughs> defund the Jedi, AJAB, AJAB. Yeah, yeah, but but it's it's an interesting point of view. It's like this is the second story where that we've seen that Dooku encounters a insanely corrupt senator and people pushing him back against that corruption. He could be just making a list in his mind about who is f- fucking with everybody and who is not. Mm-hmm. Right. And like building his armada for future conquest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, chose specific like, tales. They didn't. It's not him like the dealing with pirates or something like that. It's very much dealing with like corruption in the government. And like, well, I'll, um, let me get through this, then we can talk more on it. So later, the rebels are in prison, and Dooku says that they're out. Ideology has some good points. He tells Semmage he doesn't condone their methods uh, to make sure your people don't lose heart. He says it's the only way to victory. The body of Katri is loaded onto the Jedi ship with Mace and Dooku. Mace is uh, upset with Dooku, and now he handled the situation. Dooku doesn't seem to be bothered uh, by Windu and his questions, but instead asks that the Jedi could keep the peace if they just take everything the Senate says is truth. Back on Coruscant at the Jedi Temple, we see Katri's funeral. Katri was, uh, you know, um, was certain of her place in the Force. Dooku is not. After the funeral, Dooku asks to speak to Windu. He asks if Maze knew that he was going to get Katri's seat on the Council. Dooku seems annoyed with Windu and his promotion. And the end. So that's that's kind of like a almost kind of like a Anakin kind of vibes. To where he's just like, oh, you got promoted and I didn't? You're right about the comparison to Anakin here. Because this this showcases Dooku's other vice, which is envy. Right. Like he, sorry, he seems annoyed that Mace got promoted. And then Mace sort of throws it back in his face. Like yeah. a weird way. Yeah, it's, 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 of... it's very not cool. Yeah, because he solved 
the mystery of like what happened. And Mace is like, yeah, you got a senator killed. It's hard to really say what's going on in the writer's minds, but it's just, or does Dooku's mind, but it's like, like if placing myself in it and be like, I just solved like the, the murdered this, uh, this uh, master Jedi and you didn't care what happened. You just wanted to get the body back. You, then he's, Mace Windu is pretty much shown almost throughout uh, everything as just being very strict, uh, adheres to the rules, and it's very much to the detriment to other Jedi and to the the Order itself. Yeah, there's the there's the line in Attack of the Clones where Anakin says something like like it's overkill. Our presence implies that we're supposed to investigate, right? Like. There's a man. There's an implied mandate. Like we're not security guards. We've been assigned security detail on Padme, not to protect her, but to figure out how, why she's in danger. And that's and that's what this is happening, right? Like they're not there to transport a body, as far as Dooku's concerned. They're there to figure out why there is a body. Mm-hmm. And I I love that this that this is the pushback that they have in between the two of them. And I find Windu not sympathetic at all in his argument. No, yeah, it's well. I can think of at least one time, like the um, I don't I don't know if we talked about it, but the the um, halfway through the second the last season of um, the the Clone Wars, when when um, Ahsoka uh, meets up with Bo-Katan, um, and then thus like there's a meeting with like the Jedi and how. Uh, Mace Windu is there. She knows. She knows that they are uh, that there, there's something something to do with Anakin. There's, for some reason, they are, there's um, Maul is focused on Anakin, or somebody's focused on Anakin. I can't remember what it is. And it's like she wants to say something, but then Mace is just like, "Well, this is for Jedi, so you don't. This is you're not part of this." So so she's just like, "Okay, then I guess she doesn't. She keeps it to herself." If he hadn't been right. so stern, she they would have found out that there is some sort of plot revolving around Anakin, and maybe they could have done something about it instead of throwing Anakin into the wood chipper, and thus him basically what happened with him. Right, and, and Windu prevents Anakin from confronting the Chancellor with him and Kit Fisto, and and that could have turned out differently. And and then in the book Dark Disciple, Windu's the one that pushes. Quinlan and causes his fall to the dark side. Yeah, Windu's not a good guy. Yeah. Anything else about that one? Uh, no, no, it's it's good, but it just it shows once again that they the the, the Jedi only protect the rich and the powerful. You know, a lot of people believe that law enforcement they're really not there to solve crimes to protect the little people. They're they're there to just protect the rich and the, I don't want to use code language the elites, the super rich. Um. And just maintain the status quo, and in a certain part, yeah. I mean, I mean, Smedley Butler wrote a book about it, um, how like the the Marines were just used as a uh, as muscle, just for the rich and the powerful. So it's 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 very um, it's, I, I wouldn't say timely because it's has always been kind of a a feeling. I mean, it it is specifically timely, but it is it is a reoccurring theme throughout history that enforcement is to maintain the status quo. Yeah. And pushing back against the enforcement means revolution. 
it's hard to be sympathetic with Taduku knowing like his allegiances and and the outcome of everything, but it's not hard to be sympathetic that unrest invites chaos. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they're displaying here. It's like the galaxy is building up this pressure of social unrest and it's going to erupt and no one's going to benefit from that. Right. It's going to destroy the existing wealth. It's going to create like new power and that new power may or may not be good. We know it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are like the, the small little things that happen before, before shit finally boils over. There's little, there'll be little things that happen here and there and, are we seeing some of that right now? And yeah, I, I hope not. It's Franco testing the fascist war machine in Spain. It's Putin testing the Russian war machine in Ukraine. Right? It is a prelude to a much larger conflict. Yeah. These are these are nothing but stage setting moves by global powers. Yeah, it's scary shit. Okay, so back on to at least imaginary. Um, Make believe uh, society collapsing and not our own. So the last Dooku episode is called, uh, which is the fourth episode, is called "The Sith Lord." So at the Jedi Temple in the archives, uh, Dooku is walking through the stacks. He goes towards a door and in the back, and he goes inside to a terminal in the back and opens a file using Sifo-Dyas's code. Dooku then deletes the location of Kamido and all archived data. Dooku leaves the back room and sees a lot of people whispering. Dooku asks Jocasta Nu what's going on. She tells him that Qui-Gon claims he fought a Sith. Jocasta Nu says Qui-Gon has quite an active imagination. So, so this is. I love. I love it. Sorry, go ahead. Jocasta Nu is still like like the first like the first time you like we like in episode two where you meet Dooku or you meet Jocasta Nu as well and you see the Jedi archives. She is. Hoity-toity. She reminds me kind of like of, not to quote Harry, Harry Potter again, but that um, umbrage, where it's just like everything is in its place, and if anything is out of place, then it's that's just nonsense. It's not real. Yeah, she's probably she's problematic, and in, in she's like dogma embodiment, right? She perfectly stated like like if it doesn't exist, then it doesn't exist. I hate her character, but I love her character. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this person who can't imagine, like, she's the type of person that becomes the Jedi librarian and can't imagine a more important job, right? It's her whole identity, right? And it is fucking perfect because she's perfect, right? It mm-hmm. is it is gross, but she has acted perfectly in both both in Attack of the Clones and in, in this scene. Like, like, like she says, like, oh, Dooku has an active imagination, like it's a bad thing. Yeah. And Dooku, like, throws it back, and she's like, like yeah, like, like that's not valued anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, well, even in the comic books, like, uh, yeah. uh, Darth Vader, uh, Dark Lord of the Sith, um, she survives Order 66, and she goes back to the Jedi Temple to, to get some shit, and then... Um, she could have gotten in and out, no problem. But she found the Grand Inquisitor reading something, and she got so pissed that he was in her uh, that he was that he was in her uh, area that he, that he didn't belong there. So she went and she attacked him. She could have just snuck in and out, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example of her her the continuity of her character just being too arrogant to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, but this I just want to say real quick, like. 
this is the one episode where we can 100% pinpoint the timeline for. Um, this episode is happening basically throughout the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. right, up, right up to the end of the Phantom Menace. And this is the only one of these Dooku episodes where we know exactly the timeline because there's like Dooku or like Qui-Gon fought a, a Sith Lord. They're talking about the when he picks up Anakin yeah. on Tatooine and he fights Dooku in the sand outside of Padme's ship. So this is this is something that always has kind of interested me, like ever since like episode two. It's like and it makes me wonder, like, how is information stored and disseminated? Is that like okay? They um, he deletes any knowledge of Camino from the Jedi uh, archives, but are like the Jedi archives like the kind of like thing that everyone in the whole galaxy uses? It must be. I mean, it's at least what they use, right? It's a good. It's a good question. Because like, what would stop Obi Wan from just like, oh, he just doesn't happen to be at a at the near a Jedi temple, so he just goes and looks on the holonet and be like, oh, okay, here it is. Right. There's no redundant military database that has even better information. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think what this what this does for everybody is it explains why in Episode Two Obi Wan can't find it by looking in the Jedi archives. Yeah. I don't understand why they do it, though. I, I, I guess I understand why, but, like, it seems unnecessary. I mean, it's a hurdle. Like, we don't we don't understand the conspiracy entirely, and so I'm fine with it being... I'm fine with him, with us not knowing why they thought it was important to conceal the location of the planet where the clones were made. Um, maybe they just didn't want a random Jedi to go there. But they do find it relatively easily, but by the time they find it, it's too late. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I can understand just, like, a random Jedi going there. But, like, if a random Jedi is going to go there, they're going to – it's not going to be just because they got to buck up their butt about going there. It's There's something that would have drawn them there, and that would have been some sort of external force. And people know Camino exists. Um, it, it has a gravitational pull. So Dexter, Dexter, Dexter knows it exists. Yeah. So it's just like, it just seems like we're going to hide like the location for our super secret place base that nobody knows about anyways, which then goes into a bigger question of like, okay, well, how the hell were all the, were like all the, like the, um, all the factories that built all the weapons, all the armor, all the ships, all the, the fighters, uh, the tanks, all of their weapons were like were all those places hidden as well? They just kind of just wiped kind of just kind of secretly wiped off the map or done in secret because like it's one thing making an army. It's a it's another one ha- also building tons of ships and equipment for them to just be like ready to go at a moment's notice. That's a good question. That's a very good question. I mean, the Camino Caminoans also made weapons, but yeah, where were they? They didn't make everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, yeah. That's something that I would that'd be interesting to to learn about how they how they did it because like and like nobody caught wind of like oh there some people are hiring um, you know, like bounty hunter or bounty hunters or mercenaries to there's like a there's like a huge cattle call to hire bounty hunters and mercenaries and Mandalorians to uh, train somebody like some somebody needs all these people as trainers it's, it's just it seems like it'd just be something that'd be very difficult to keep to keep secret because if you think about it like what is it 
Anakin like 10 in uh, The Phantom Menace. And then what he's like twenty by the t- um, by the time of um, episode two. Yeah, it's about ten years. Yeah, so that's like um, it took them like ten years to get a full to get the army up and up and running with equipment and the soldiers. The soldiers grown, I guess. I mean, the, I, I understand the galaxy is pretty big, but it's like how do they not know? How do they not notice? Does it just go back to their arrogance of like they would never even consider something like something like this happening or somebody doing something like this? There's, it's a plot point in Thrawn in the Thrawn books, right, where Thrawn figures out what, that the Death Star is being built because of the resource allocation for it. It might mm-hmm. take someone with his level of intelligence to to sort of parse out what's going on. I don't know. It, it's it's a moment of willing suspicion, willing suspension of disbelief, I guess. Yeah, I, I would be totally up for learning how it all went down you know um me too the book catalyst did a very good job of catalyst and thrawn did a very good job of kind of like you learn how like how do you hide something so big so back to the episode qui-gon and yaddle are walking through the halls now uh yaddle is voiced by bryce dallas howard um she does a good job i don't nothing wrong with her voice but i was ex- not was i was expecting for yaddle it's very queen it's very like queen's english Sort of stuff. Yeah. We didn't talk, we haven't mentioned it, but Yaddle doesn't have Yoda's speech patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's, she's in the, she speaks, uh, she has a couple lines in a High Republic book and she speaks normal then too. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, just go with it. So there was, there was a Legends explanation for Yoda's speech syntax and it was that he was doing it intentionally because the person that he learned basic from had that syntax mm-hmm. and that it wasn't something from his species. It was something that Yoda was doing intentionally. Yeah. I prefer my head cannon where his species only talks through the force. So using vocalizing words is difficult. So that's why it comes out kind of backwards. I prefer your head cannon as well. And I'm glad you brought it up because I, I, I repeated that to several people saying like like what if their species only communicates through the force and and when they actually speak language they get it all garbled because their internal syntax is different but anyway we should get going because we're on <laughs> paragraph two of this episode <laughs> yeah we're already, we're already into an hour uh okay so dooku um asked them about the attacker on tatooine qui-gon describes his battle with maul dooku assumes the council didn't take them seriously Yaddle defends the council's cautiousness. Dooku says he's been warning them about the growing darkness. So Dooku's kind of fed up. He's the he's the old um, grizzled employee who's just like he's been around forever and he just knows that oh management's fucking up again. But, uh, okay, so Dooku says he'll not be around to protect him, and Qui Gon says that Obi Wan does a fine job of that. Qui Gon parts. Uh, leaving Dooku and Yaddle together. Yaddle asks if he's okay, and Dooku says that the students grow up too fast. Yaddle is shaken by Dooku's mood. Later in the temple, Dooku is standing at the great tree meditating. Yaddle comes to see him. Dooku says that he used to bring Qui-Gon to the tree as a boy. Qui-Gon was born on Coruscant and was fascinated by trees. Yaddle tells Dooku that the council is leaving for Naboo to go to Qui-Gon's funeral. Dooku says that he would not be pleasant company. Yaddle asks if he blames the Jedi 
and Dooku says it's time to let go. So he obviously does. I love this scene. Dooku's not in the Jedi Order anymore at this point. He still hangs out in the temple, and this is established in Gavon Scott's book. And this time jump, they don't really they don't explain what the time jump is because you leave Yaddle and Dooku in the hallway, and then we're back with Dooku, and you learn that Qui Gon's dead, and that they're all planning to like go to his funeral, and mm-hmm. Dooku's like, "You don't want me there." Yeah, he's 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 basically like a grieving father right now. Yeah. You don't want me there because I'm going to say some shit to all of you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to want to hear any of it. Yeah, he's going to be the – it's going to be the, 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 two, the two women and the cat meme, and he's going to be the one. Edel's going to be holding him back while it's like Mace Window is the cat. Exactly, right? Because Dooku, she, she asks like if he blames the Jedi, and he says it's time to move on and let go. He 100% blames them what's happened and we find out shortly he blames Sidious Mm -hmm. what happens Dooku's plan was never to harm Qui-Gon Dooku legitimately thought Qui-Gon would understand what was going on Mm -hmm. okay so Dooku gets in a small ship and he flies off and Yettle follows him Dooku eventually lands in a tower Uh, this is the same kind of like an industrial area that he's seen at at the end of episode 2 now, uh, Yetta lands on the side tower and works her way toward Dooku's ship, landed. Like, in the hangar, Dooku is with Sidious. Dooku is super angry that Sidious allowed Maul to kill Qui-Gon. Dooku is hoping Qui-Gon would join their efforts. No, that's impossible. Dooku says that he's done everything that was asked of him. Saifu Dias, Kamino, the clones, he's betrayed everyone. Dooku asks how many more will have to die. Yellow reveals herself, and she pleads with Dooku to join her so um, they can fight the Sith Lord together. Sidious manipulates him. Did a Jedi, the Jedi serve the corrupt Senate. Sidious orders Dooku to kill Yaddle. Dooku is afraid. At this point, he's gone so far. that Because she's like, whatever you've done, it can be. We can work it out, but we've, we've got to take care of the Sith Lord. And Dooku's already just like, I'm fucked. I've, I've screwed everybody over. Nobody's going to... It's an, but it's an interesting point, right? Um, is he actually fucked? Dooku dies on the invisible hand when Sidious orders Anakin to, to decapitate him. I can't imagine that the Jedi would have treated him that badly. Yeah. No, I... Um, but like, like Anakin, he's probably twisted in knots. He's upset that he's death. He's at a uh, up is down, left is right, sort of like... Probably not thinking clearly, and he's, yes, and yes. He, he's been he's been manipulated. Yeah, and, and the previous two episodes show that he is very prone to violence. Like, yes, he'll just he'll just whip it out and start um, going straight to the for uh, ultra violence. So uh, that's a that's a Clockwork Orange reference. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's telling Duke the Jedi serve the corrupt Senate. Sidious orders Dooku to kill Yaddle. He's afraid. He draws his lightsaber and attacks Yaddle. A fight ensues, and Sidious just kind of watches. At one point, Yaddle disappears, and uh, Dooku searches for Yaddle, and she says that she quit the council, and Qui-Gon did not have to die, that they should have listened to him. Dooku pushes the ship out of the way and attacks again. Yaddle considers retreat, and Dooku baits her back into the fight. He... He knocks her into the door and slams it down on her, which is pretty cool. It's a pretty, it's like a humongous like bay door, with kind of like 
uh, what do you call it? It's like it's like a sprocket. Yeah, like kind of like the jo- like the door of Jabba's palace. Yeah, it's, uh, got just, like, it's got like grooves and like teeth. Mm-hmm, just big, massive, and it comes down. And Sidious is pleased that uh, the door is uh, opened. Yaddle is lifting it. Duke is definitely surprised. She stares at him and falls into the hangar exhausted. Duke walks up to her and tells her that she wants peace and orders the galaxy. Yaddle says he's just... Co- causing suffering and he's just like well i'll give you peace and he kills her and sidious smiles and then he refers to dooku as his apprentice so and that's the end of the episode so the sith lord i guess meaning that like well talking about sidious or is it the fact that dooku is now a sith lord well i think the distinction doesn't matter at this point right it's it explains several things right so the continuity of Yaddle wasn't known but she's not in episode two and in a comic it shows that she is dead she's one of the ghosts that vader sees in one of the comics with all the other order 66 victims so she doesn't die in order 66 she dies at the end of phantom menace basically like right at the end of phantom menace um what'd you think of this one? Oh, I, I liked it um i fucking loved it yeah um just like he's fed up and he's trying to he he made a deal with the devil and you, and unfortunately like when you make a deal with the devil you uh you don't get to uh you don't get to call the shots you've you're fucked at that point right we talked about we talked about Faustian bargain in our previous episode review bombad jedi where um uncle ono or anakana far makes a deal with Newt gunray and Newt Gunray shows up and doesn't honor the terms of the deal because all Newt Gunray wants is Padme's death. Mm-hmm. And you can't reason with the devil. And that's the same thing with Sidious. Like, this is a much more on-the-nose metaphor for the devil, but you cannot reason with Sidious. He just wants his goals. He mm-hmm. wants chaos. He wants the Jedi dead. He just – nothing else matters to him. He would kill everybody if it meant advancing his goal. Including Dooku eventually. Mm-hmm. So something I've always wondered: Does Dooku know Palpatine is Sidious? He must. We talked about this a long time ago as well. I asked you at what point Sidious is revealed as Palpatine to Dooku, and he might not know now, but he has to know in the future. He has to know by the time they're on the invisible hand together that they're the same guy. I asked because, like, when the the look on his face when all of a sudden Palpatine uses the Sidious voice and uh, tells Anakin, you know, do it. Um, all of a sudden, he's just like surprised, that, like, oh. So, so that could. This is one of the things that I've said we need to watch for in so, Clone Wars. Yeah. So this is. Um, so that could just be the taken that like he's like like he's just all of a sudden realizing that uh, that he fucked up and he's being he's just a he's 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 nothing. He was just a, a means to an end, or that he realizes that the senator was his, his master and that his master just ordered his death. But either way, just, you could just tell that he's just surprised, just like like what? Because and or it could just be that he was just expecting his master. Like this is the whole this is a, this is the whole thing was a big feint, and he was just expecting his master like at any point to just help. But instead, he's just like now nah, kill him. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that I flagged for us to watch in Clone Wars to see if there's any evidence that Dooku knew 
Palpatine was Sidious. I don't think we can. I don't think we can determine anything from this episode, but it's an open question for us. Yeah, it's like when did he realize? What did he know? In epi- because he definitely knows. He definitely knows when he dies. Yeah, and he knows he's like he's he's either in the Senate or somehow in control of the Senate somehow through back channels because he tells exactly. he tells Obi Wan as much in Episode Two. It's it'd be very interesting if like he kept it that if Palpatine played it that close to the vest uh, that like he didn't even he didn't even reveal his true uh, identity to his um Padawan you know to his not Padawan but his apprentice because it would be too it might I, I would argue that he didn't because it was too uh it would be too risky especially during the clone wars if like if Dooku decided to make a move on him and out him, I mean, this is this is something we actively need to research. Yeah, I think because because I don't think we know the answer to this question. And if someone if someone can point us to the right answer, we've we've been getting a lot of downloads lately. So um, maybe we're getting popular. <laughs> um, that would be terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Although maybe I wouldn't have, I could stop paying for Audible, maybe. Yeah, but. I, just, I just want some passive. I just want some passive income by like sponsoring boner pills. So that's yeah. Uh, I'll sponsor anything as long as it, as long as you don't use my real name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, if anybody knows the answer to this question, when do, what does Dooku know and when? We want to know the answer because this is this is a ongoing conversation, not just on the pod but in our text message field about what, what Dooku is doing in the Ahsoka episodes, we had a lot of issues with continuity, some issues with continuity and Canon. Is there anything in these episodes that give you pause about the continuity or Canon of Dooku or Qui-Gon? No. Um, it, it all fits in fairly well. Because all I, I mean, all I ever ask of these things, they just kind of slip into the background of what's already been established, and that's what kind of annoyed me about the the last Ahsoka one. But just these ones just slip in, just nice and easy. Like the thing that was great about lot, like the the book Lost Stars, was that it was hap- there's a lot of things happening during events that you know about the um, the Death Star for uh, the battle or the Battle of Yavin or Hoth, say. right? Hoth. You There's know, a lot, of, lot of stuff, right? Like the, um, the emperor, the emperor, like showing up, um, to the, to the second Death Star. Like, um, Sienna was, um, Sienna was there. It was she was the one that rescued Vader after the destruction of the first Death Star? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like she, she was in the shuttle that picked them up, right? That kind of stuff was fucking perfect. Yeah, like, um, she was there and she felt like the, she saw the emperor with the hurl own eyes and just felt like the malevolence and she's just like what the fuck and then like the battle of jakku she was there so they're always there and but they didn't um and it was just kind of like edit cool filled in sort of stuff but it didn't step on anything that was already done and i feel this does it very well it also fills in gaps right it shows like i know we talked about it a lot but it shows why camino isn't in the jedi archives it's because dooku went in and deleted it using cypher password mm-hmm. and I, I like that detail i i really appreciate that detail actually it it gives a lot of meaning and depth to the conspiracy to me that didn't exist otherwise yeah so and i i, 
I just like the fact that he's just pretty much, I don't say like most, but he's been radicalized and he's gone too far. Um, he's done some bad stuff because he's, he, he believes in something. He believes that the government is corrupt, the, like law enforcement and AKA Jedi are corrupt and that, that it, something has to change. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily want to completely destroy it. Like, uh, or at least not, maybe not at the beginning, like Sidious does, but like being the good manipulator that Sidious is, he turns somebody who has just, that's how you radicalize somebody. You take somebody who has a few grievances and then you just give them slow nudges. Um, and then they're, before you know it, they're doing stuff that they, that they wouldn't have originally int- uh, have intended to do. So I agree. And Kevin Scott has, has written about how this is entirely in line with the canon established that Dooku visited the Jedi temple post his leaving the Jedi and it's not inconsistent with anything that he's written. And so, he, so I, I think it, this, these shorts add to canon rather than in increase contradiction in canon. I love that two out of three of these stories are Dooku's interactions with shitty senators Mm-hmm. And that he leans in on the second one and says, like, don't give up. Like, keep fighting. It is very much a Che sort of stance. It's like, don't stop. Keep fighting. And I know Che's a problematic person, but but it's still it it's still the idea of, like, a revolutionary adding instability to a government. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Like, fight harder. Like, try again. First you don't succeed, try, try again. Right? Yeah, and and not only like the the second the first episode just shows like the corrupt senator, but the second one shows the corrupt senator and the Jedi aren't willing to do anything about something that's happened to one of their own. Exactly, he's on a walk. They're putting him on a walk, right? They're not only is it bad, but you're on the wrong side of this. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, but they're. Like, uh, like even like Anakin's problems weren't with the Jedi Order, just some of how things were done, but got turned into just ah, they're all they're all bad. We gotta get gotta get rid of them all. They like like he didn't didn't want to like destroy every everything and break everything down. Just wanted to just wanted to fix things. Well, fix thing fix fixing things slowly morphs into let's start a civil war and go to the dark side and then just kill everybody. And the, then the kind of that original thread is lost. The, the thing that kind of like radicalized him or like sleep or at least sent him down the path. I mean, Dooku quotes Anakin, right? He says, I want to bring peace and justice to the galaxy. Right. And Anakin says something like, I want to bring peace and order to the galaxy. And it's one of these ends don't justify the means arguments. It's like you can't get there through dishonest means. Yes, it's corrupt, but you address corruption rather than kill everybody and start over. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is like a tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots sort of nonsense, but I don't know. Maybe I'm too deep in the system <laughs> at this point. It's like, like, don't line us up and shoot us on a shoot us on a wall, please. Like, let's have a conversation about it and see what we can change. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. It's really tough because there's like we talked about the heroes on both sides nonsense earlier. 
it's it's really just nonsense on both sides, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's good people, but everybody's wrong, right? You can't prop up a failed system. You can't keep corrupt. You can't let corruption fester, but you also can't let revolutionaries do atrocities just because. I don't know. It's tough. Like, it's really bad, right? And yeah. in a declining society right now, it, it's hard to see what the right move is. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, we don't we don't want to be turned turned into like a, a political podcast. But just I I found these episodes very interesting just because I I am so fascinated with how um like society's kind of like um or like like well, like empires like that like like they're they're high points and then they just slowly like slowly devolve and then and then just there's just massive like corruption or something and then that just leads to just war and then like just like atrocities beyond belief yeah hard reset plus atrocities yeah like uh, the not the nazi germany they were they lost the war but then they had a, like a uh they had a um they had a time period where they were like very uh very progressive and um I don't know. I don't know what to describe it, but the the Weimar Republic was very. If, if you would ask people at that time, like who's going to start the next world war and commit like a shitload of atrocities, no one would have said the Weimar Republic. But they also were like super indebted to France, right? So, and people were pretty pissed about that, and they're sore about losing the war, and so um, that bred discontent. Just a little bit. Yeah. And plus, you happen to have a bunch of guys who like fought in trench warfare, who had no problem with getting into fights in the street and killing <laughs> and killing their opponents. But you now that's that's all history and stuff. I just I just I just love the whole like this. Like here's how everything was, and like there's like all the signs are there for us as the viewer slash reader or whatever Star Wars enjoyer. We can see the whole thing and be like, oh man, don't do that, don't do that. But people are just going about their days doing whatever it is that they are doing. Right. That's a story. Yeah. Dooku doesn't probably look back and be like, oh, shoot, I've been radicalized. Fuck. Going to the dark side, though, is a completely different thing. So we've talked before, like, like is it kind of like drugs? Where, like, it's just like, like once you're once you're hooked, you, you can't get off of it. Or it's very difficult uh, uh, to get off of it. Um, hence why, like, nobody's ever really come back. I mean, it must be like a power thing, right? Like, Dooku is addicted to the power. He likes the idea of threatening people with violence. It, he's got the whole envy thing or anger toward Mace. It, it has to be part of it, right? But I don't know. It's It seems like you can come back. Ventress came back. Vader came back. But I think it's very difficult too. That it's like I think you have to give up. You have to be willing to give up the power. And yeah. those Those people were, and someone like Dooku would never. Yeah, it's like I, I can imagine like imagine like the times that you've been like super angry. You're like like seeing red, and you're just you fly off a handle about something, and like you can't be reached with reason or anything like that. But for like regular people, it just kind of like comes and goes, and you're just like. Oh boy, I really, I really went a little crazy there. But I'm just thinking that, like, is it just like that? Except you're always like that. You never. It's not just you don't just like kind of like snap back. There, there isn't something you can do or just like give yourself enough time to like cool off. It's just always 
at a certain point, it's just you're always you're always on, and it's hard to let go. And especially if you like feel bad about it, then you keep spiraling downwards and uh, further and further. I think it's safe to say that we both really enjoyed these episodes. Is there anything that we need to talk about further? Uh, no, no. I think I think we were good. I think these were these were very well done episodes and there's always as as we've found out there's always more we could talk about when it comes to star wars there's always get some gap somewhere that could be filled well, i'm super thirsty for dooku stuff but in the last episode we did this i asked you i asked you a question i'm gonna ask you again if they were to do a repeat of these episodes like another series of these episodes other than tales of the jedi what what tales would you want to hear most of all there's so there's so there's so many. I mean, I would love to know more about like Mandalorian culture. Um, I mean, that seems kind of like a, a cop out. I, I'd want to know. I don't know. think that's cop out. Tales of Mandalore. Yeah, I mean, like this, something even just like following like the like clone. Just like I mean, granted, Clone Wars followed the clones a lot, but I mean, just like like the day in day out of like a clone, like or just following cl- the clones after. Order 66, I've gone on record multiple times that I want to know what's, what happened to all of them. What were they thinking? Did they feel bad? Agreed. Or not? And the, that Bad Batch trailer makes it seem like Cody's starting to wonder, and, and others are starting to wonder, did they do the right thing? Man, there's just so much, like like the like the Bounty Hunters would be kind of cool, I guess, but just like what tales of just regular people, but that are just kind of peripheral to like things that are happening. But not not like a from a certain point of view. When, actually, scratch that. No, because that's that's a certain point of view, and I really hated that. Um, I don't know. We'll just go with Mandalorians. Okay, that's good. We'll stick with Mandalorians. I wouldn't mind a tales from a certain point of view, but I know that wasn't your bag. But we'll move on. It's late. It's long recording. Um, do you want to do the characters or anything else? Oh yeah, we could do the characters. Um, all right. Do so, go first. Okay. All right, so now's the time where we rate um, episodes. We rate episodes with our patent-pending rating system where we use a character to describe what we thought of an episode. So a really good episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, uh, etc. A really bad episode would be somebody like um, Boss Nass, maybe. just cause He's just comically trying to be comically annoying, but it's just like annoying ignoring because like ha huh, he's it's funny because he's fat so um i guess these episodes i would give i would give these a palpatine because i am just like it's fat just or at least wow. like a young like a young palpatine just wow. like, i'm just fascinated because it just it answers it answers some questions and then just leaves a ton more open like i want because then i just i just want to know more i thought i was going to go hard but you went harder um it's so hard. I'm gonna give him a Django Fett. Okay, timely. Yeah, because I think I think this is like foundational sort of Star Wars. Like Dooku's backstory is couldn't be more important for the story of Star Wars and the prequel era specifically. And these episodes give us a believable and consistent logical arc of his fall. Mm-hmm. I love it. And 
I would consider these three episodes essential viewing for any Star Wars animation fan, any prequel fan, any Dooku fan, any Qui-Gon fan, um, and any Mace fan, right? Or any Palpatine fan. Like, just, there, it touches on so many good characters, and Yaddle, mm-hmm. it's, it's so freaking good. It is a linchpin for a large portion of Star Wars, so Django. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, top, and top, top, top. Like, if you want to do these, if you want to do one of these a year, I'm on board. Yeah. And and it and it brings back the question that I always ask, like, ever since um, Dark Disciple is, um, was Dooku targeted because he was a fallen Jedi, or was it because he was rich? Or, like, because, or not a fallen Jedi, but just, like, an ex-Jedi. Because Good was question. he, cause was he, is it more important that he has a ton of money, or is it more important that he was, that he used to be a Jedi? And he was he could be manipulated to the dark side. That's a good question. It's tough. Cool. All right, so we're not going to roll a dice this week because we're not doing a Clone Wars episode, and we're based on our publication schedule and our review schedule. We are coming up on Bad Batch, but I think we're going to continue reviewing Clone Wars episodes. So we're going to go back to Clone Wars. And review the next Clone Wars episode following Bombad Jedi, which I forget the name of right now, and I'm not going to look it up. Um, but the next episode will be a Clone Wars review, and then we will probably pick up Bad Batch, or maybe we'll do a supplemental before Bad Batch for around Christmas, just to keep it going, you know? Um, but if there's nothing else, do you want to play us out? Yep. All right. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da